Turn please this morning to the book of Acts, Acts the first chapter, Acts 1, and then also 2 Timothy 1. Acts 1, 2 Timothy 1. You ready to believe God with me this morning? You know, utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. It's not just all up to the speaker. Utterance is affected a lot. You know, Jesus said on more than one occasion, him that has ears to hear, let him hear. Take heed how you hear. And the measure that you meet is how it will be measured to you. So let's release faith right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we agree together asking for utterance. I'm acknowledging, Lord, that without you, I, I don't know it. I couldn't do it. But I can present myself as a vessel. And you can speak through me. You can speak through whomever you choose. And we're asking for eyes that can see and ears that can hear and hearts and minds open and receptive. Cause there to come very clear and strong answers, direction, help, a supply of the Spirit, enabling. And we'll give you the glory, we'll give you the praise, and we'll not be hearers only, nor forgetful hearers, but we will be doers. And when we do, we know we'll be blessed, because you always watch over your word and perform it in the lives of those who do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody say, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. You know, that's the only people that get results. It's not just the church attenders. It's not just the sermon listeners. It's not just the note takers. The only people that get results, me, you, anybody, are the people that actually put it into practice. Do it. In Acts, the first chapter, we, uh, we began this series some weeks ago. In verse 8 being our, our text, he said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost, ghost is an old English word for, for spirit, after the Holy Spirit is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, unto the uttermost part of the earth. The Living Bible reads like this, says, But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power to testify about me with great effect. And then the Weist translation says it like this. Weist says, But you shall receive power of the kind which God has and exerts after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Does this sound exciting? Does this sound significant? Power coming on you. To do what? To empower you and I, to enable us to be able to testify about Jesus. You shall be those who testify of what they have seen and experienced, my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. Power to testify. Power to be a witness. This belongs to every believer who will yield to, 
the enablement of the Spirit. Not just a few. You'll be witnesses. Now something we've talked about and we need to repeat it. Did you notice he didn't say you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be preachers. You'll be Bible teachers. He didn't say that. And yet a lot of people have changed this to that. In their mind, going witnessing means going preaching evangelistic messages to people. That's not what it said. That's not what it is. And that's why there's been a lot of confusion. It's quiet in here. <laughs> what did he say? How many think we ought to come right back to what he said? Is being a witness the same as preaching? It's not. It's not. In fact, you know the scripture said we read this, but it'll bear repetition. That he said that not all of us should be preachers and teachers. Do you remember that? James 3 and 1. If you put that up on the screen for us, James 3 and 1 in the NIV. It says, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we that teach will be judged more strictly. How many should be preachers? Not many. many. Well, then how does that agree with everybody supposed to be able to go and preach to people? Doesn't agree. Does it? 1 Corinthians 12, 29 says, are all apostles? Obvious answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. No. Not all are preachers. Not a, in fact, he said not many. And so uh, we talked about that. A lot of people have, uh, they knew they're supposed to do something. They're supposed to share their faith. They're, they knew they're supposed to be a witness. But they thought what that means is I need to learn some scriptures and I need to learn uh, how to preach an evangelistic message to somebody, stranger on the street, whoever I meet. And so they go out and try to do it and fumble around and can't find their verses and can't remember everything and, and decide for it's over with, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> and so people think it's either preach or nothing. And that's not true. I said, that's not true. It's a whole nother thing when we realize what he was talking about and come back to it. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you. So you're not even just having to rely on your own smarts and ability to get this done. You got divine help getting this done. He's talking about. And you shall be what? Witnesses. You'll testify and be a witness of me. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, a lot of people know this verse, but it goes with the next verse. Verse 8 says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of what? The testimony of our Lord. So when he talks about God didn't give us the spirit of fear, what was he talking about? Specifically talking about not being afraid to testify. Not being afraid to be a witness, to testify. 
Revelation 12, 11 tells something we'll be talking about later. Such a great, great truth. It talks about the accuser of the brethren that accuses night and day. says they overcame him. That sounds like victory, doesn't it? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and what? And what? The blood of the lamb is not what you and I have done. That's what he has done. But is there a part that you and I are to do? Here's our part. The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Is there power in the word of your testimony? There's Holy Spirit power. There's devil overcoming power. Come on, can you see this? Is this significant? Is this important? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Your witness is something you should be willing to die for. Right now, I don't care where you are, what situation in life, our witness of him, our testimony of him is something we should be, we should die before we'd say it's not true. And numerous ones have been martyred in the history of the church because of their witness and because of their testimony. There's been numerous Christians in times past that were brought before assemblies and courts and they were given the choice, recant your faith and you can live. Recant this and you can continue to live. Or you can be executed and they would not recant their faith. They would not discard their testimony. They said, no, this is the truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they died for it. But the Bible tells us they got a better resurrection because of it. Are there some things we need to know about this? Things we need to understand about this. Yes, yes, and yes. One thing we talked about, it's been a few weeks, what is a witness? Anybody remember? What is a witness? A witness is one who testifies. To witness means to affirm what one has seen or heard or knows. To be a witness means to go on record. And to be a witness... A a reliable, truthful witness is evidence. Is evidence. We know in the courts of our land. Eyewitness testimony from a reliable witness is considered valid evidence in court. Now hearsay is another thing. Well, they told me that they saw and they said that you can't be a witness to that. That's hearsay. And can you see how a lot of folks have missed it? They went out and tried to preach something to somebody that they heard somebody else preach to them. And a lot of it's hearsay. And it's not what happened to them. The Bible didn't say you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit's come on you and go out and tell everybody what you believe. This is not about telling people what you believe. This is mind renewing, isn't it? 
We need to get free from religious tradition that men came up with and be sure we're in the Word. Didn't say the Holy Spirit would come on you and you'd get power to go tell everybody what you believe. You'll get power to do what? To testify, to be a witness. Well, what can you be a witness to and only that? What you have seen, what you have heard, and what you know personally for yourself. Not just what you think, not what you heard somebody else preach, not even just what you believe. We need to realize most people don't care what we believe. You go out on the street and grab a stranger, let me tell you what I believe. They're probably thinking, I don't want to know what you believe. I don't know you. I don't care about what you believe. Now, I know this is going to cut out a lot of conversation for some folks. Because <laughs> that's why I spend a lot of their time just trying to talk to people about what they believe. But that's not being a witness. It can be trying to be a preacher. And are you called to preach or not? Are you called? Not many are. Well, we're having fun today, are we? I know this is crosswise with some thinking in the church, but there's a whole lot of stuff in the church that's not Bible and not right, which is why it's so powerless and fruitless. Friend, there's power in what you and I are talking about today. Every believer can be empowered to share their testimony and the Holy Spirit himself get involved while you're telling it. And convince the hearer and cause faith to come. It's powerful. But if you're trying to do something you're not even called anointed to do. That's going to be frustrating. And hard. And you're not going to want to do it again. What is a witness? Let's go over this again. One who testifies. Are you afraid to testify? That's what he's talking about. God didn't give me the spirit of fear. But of power and of love and of sound mind. I can give my testimony in front of anybody. Kings. Presidents. Prime ministers. Joe Smith on the street. Is that right? Didn't say I had to preach a sermon to him. I can give my testimony. What's my testimony? What I've seen God do. What I've heard. What he did for me. Anybody in here born again? Anybody in here born again? So you were there when you got born again. Is that right? You were there when it happened. This is not hearsay. Did the Lord do something for you? Come on, I want, did he do something for you? Did he? Is it real? See, you can testify about that. And this is not hearsay. This is not what somebody else believes. What somebody else preached. You were there. Anybody in here been healed? God healed you. You were there. You were there when it happened. You know what you're talking about. This is one area you're an expert in. You're an expert eyewitness. Anybody in here God met your needs? Met your needs. Healed your kids. Led you. Directed you. Helped you. See, all of this personal experience is precious and it's valuable. 
And at the right time and the right place, the Lord will tap you on the shoulder and say, I want you to testify about that. I want you to tell them. And so you're not starting out religious. You're not starting out trying to preach. You're just saying, let me tell you what he did for me. Just two weeks ago, I was doing this and this was going on. And man, I needed this desperately. And I just went to the Lord and I asked him, and let me tell you what happened. Glory to God. He did this and he did that. And they can't say, I don't know if I believe that. Hey, you were there. Right? You were there. This is not talking about some hearsay. You saw it. You heard it. You experienced it. You are a witness. Somebody say, I'm a witness. I'm a witness. And the thing about it is when you're telling the truth of what the Lord really did for you, you are not alone in this endeavor. The Holy Spirit, oh, the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit comes on you and gets involved in the conversation and he comes on them and while you're talking to them they're looking at your eyes they're hearing the tone of your voice and the Holy Spirit just comes over them and goes they're telling the truth he really healed them he really saved them he's alive he's real he's still a healer he's still a deliverer and if they're honest When they hear the truth, they'll go, my Lord, this is real. This is real. Now, some people, even if they hear the truth and they know it's the truth, they still don't care. Dishonest people. But even so, in time to come, they can't say nobody ever told them the truth. But many will believe. You weren't trying to preach to them or give them a Bible lesson. You weren't trying to explain the nuances of all your beliefs to them. What were you doing? You testified. Witnessing. To what you knew. What you experienced. Listen to these verses again. In John 3 and 11. He said we speak that we know. And we testify that we have seen. Verse 32. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies. Acts 4 and 20. It says we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Acts 22.15. You shall be his witness unto all men of what you have seen and heard. 1 John 1 and 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which our hands have handled of the word of life. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. Well, is this eyewitness? I saw it. I heard it. See, those, uh, those apostles... They were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. And the Bible said with great power, the Lord gave them, anointed them to witness. They'd stand up and say, we walked with him. We saw him crucified and we saw him after he was raised from the dead. I don't know if I believe that. I was there. I touched him. I ate with him. Now, we can't testify to that and yet... When you met him and got born again, he must be raised from the dead. 
Maybe you didn't see him with your eyes, but you know what he did for you. I said, you know what he did for you. Somebody say, I'm a witness. I'm a witness of what he's done for me. Go to Proverbs, please, the 14th chapter. Proverbs 14. You can tell it's some new thinking for some folks. But actually, this new version of witnessing is the new thinking. What we're talking about has been around all along. God never changed. Proverbs 14 and 5. Proverbs 14 and 5 says, A faithful witness, what? Will not lie. But a false witness will utter lies. A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. Skip on down to the uh, 25th verse. 25th verse. It says, a true witness delivers souls. Isn't that a great word? A true witness delivers souls. But a deceitful witness speaks lies. Now, Anybody remember the Ten Commandments? Or generally? Which one of them says thou shalt not lie? Actually, none of them. It says you shall not bear false witness. Is that right? You shall not bear false witness. You won't be a false witness. You'll be a true witness. Why should you believe something? Not a trick question. If you hear somebody telling something, why should you believe it? You should believe it because it's true. If it's not true, you shouldn't believe it. You should believe it because it's true. And so being an effective witness is based entirely on You being a truthful witness. A true witness. And if the enemy. Can't do much with the testimony. He's going to attack the credibility. Of the witness. Isn't he? I know you've watched enough TV to know what we're talking about. If they got all this proof. Everything points to the. You know the. The guilt of the person and so we got an eyewitness yeah I was there yeah he pulled out the pistol yeah he shot him right in the head I saw it bam it was loud and they got gunshot residue on the guy's hands and they got all kind of other stuff so the attorney for the defense now if he's got all this evidence what does he need to do he needs to discredit This witness. Elsewise, the testimony he just gave is accepted, solid evidence of the guilt of this individual. So what do they do? What do they do? How do you discredit a witness? Attack his character. character. What does that mean? 
so and so. Did you not also testify to such and such and such and such? But trying to do what? Trying to show some incongruity. Trying to show some inconsistency. Because lies are inconsistent. Have to be. A lie cannot be consistent by nature of what it is. There's no such thing as a permanent lie. I said there's no such thing as a permanent lie. In fact, you're reading in Proverbs, it says a lying lip is but for a moment. Why? Because a lie, by nature of what it is, is inconsistent. That's why when people tell a lie, and then they tell another one, and then they tell another one, that's a lot of times why they think they had to tell another one, because an inconsistency of the the first one came up. Well, why? what about this? So they invent another lie to try to cover that. And then by the time you get three or four, it's like trying to spin plates on the rods, man. Because there's so many inconsistencies. Trying to keep your story straight is just not happening. Can you see this? And so if the attorney can discredit the witness, show that the witness has been inconsistent on other things. They can get the evidence called into question. You and I are witnesses. I said you and I are witnesses. And because of that, our truthfulness is of the utmost importance. Nothing destroys your testimony quicker and more fully than telling a lie. Because if you lied about this... It calls into question, even though you might have told the truth about this, it calls it into question, how do people know for sure that you told the truth? Lying is one of the most serious mistakes we can make as Christians, as believers. Because if you're sharing your testimony with somebody, if you're telling them what God did for you, what are they doing? They're looking at you, they're looking in your eyes, they're hearing the tone of your voice, What are they endeavoring to decide? Are you just a goofball? Did you just make this up? Or are you really telling the truth? Are you? And then, of course, if you work with them or you live around them and you lie about something else and they know you lied about it, then what does that do to your credibility? What does that do to your testimony? It calls into question, I I know you might not like to think it, but it calls into question your testimony about Jesus. We can't afford one lie. Are y'all listening to me, such? We can't afford one, not one, lie. Now, I'm not talking about you made a mistake and you thought it was this way and you told it and you found out later it wasn't that way. That's not a lie. That's, you weren't trying to deceive them. You thought it was that way. That's not the same thing. What we're talking about is you knew better. And you're purposely trying to deceive someone. 
You're trying to convince them of something you know is not true. It doesn't get any more devilish than that. The devil is a liar and he is the father of it. And when you are speaking a lie, you are yielding to him directly. And you are talking his language and giving him place into our life. How many don't want to do that? Not ever, not ever. Do you despise the devil? He hates you. I said, do you despise him? Then make up your mind. You are not yielding your mouth to his lies ever about anything. And it'd be hard to find in this building somebody that never told one. It would be. Starts early. Two years old. You hear the cookie jar rattle. Huh? From the other room, you hear the lid to the cookie jar rattle. You come in there. The cookie jar lid's on crooked. Cookie crumbs are on the counter. Chocolate's on the little guy's face. You been in the cookie jar? And a lot of times people at that stage, they laugh. They think, how cute. It ain't funny. You won't think it's funny when they're 16 and lying about taking money out of your purse. This is as devilish as it gets. And we need to understand it. We must have no part in any falsehood or any lie. Make up your mind, saints. That no matter what it costs you. My lying days are over. 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 Now you got to make up your mind right now. Because as long as it's an option for you. As long as it's an option. Why do people lie? Well, a big reason people lie is fear and pride. Don't want people to know the truth. Ashamed. Scared of what's going to happen. But all, how many understand being led by fear is being manipulated by the devil, right? It's all back to the enemy. The Bible said neither give place to the devil. And if you're giving place to this fear and this pride and this lies, it's just opening the doors up and, and inviting the devil in to mess up your life. There will be times it's going to cost you to tell the truth. Is there truth that's more terrible than a lie? See, people had to think about that one, didn't they? They're like, some stuff's pretty bad. Let me help you out. No. There is no truth that is nearly as terrible as a lie. A lie is the ultimate betrayal. It is as devilish as it gets. You're using somebody's trust in you. To convince them of a lie. Get them to believe something that is untrue. That's what the enemy of our soul tries to do to us every day. You don't want to be on his team. You don't want to be helping him out. Said out loud, there is no truth more terrible than a lie. Lying is not an option for me. I tell the truth, I tell the truth or, I say or I say nothing. 
Do you want to have a witness? Do you want to be have a testimony that's powerful? God to be able to use you. Then you can't get around this. You can't get around this. The enemy is constantly trying. If he can't just kick out your testimony, he'll try to discredit you, the witness. And this is one of the main ways he does it. In front of your family. How many know your children should never hear you tell a lie? Never. Your spouse should never hear you tell a lie. Never. Never. People have made mistakes in the past, but it doesn't have to be that way in the future. You can make up your mind that no matter what it costs, the Psalms talks about this, the one that dwells with the Lord. It says of the person that will swear to their own hurt and change not. What does that mean? They're going to keep their word even if it costs you. Because no matter what it costs you, there is no truth more terrible than a lie. The lie is going to cost you more in the end. The devil will tell you, no, 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 now we can hide this. And it never has to come out. Another lie. I said another lie. Because Jesus said, there's nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. Didn't he? He was well, I know somebody, and, and they kept it covered, and they died and never did come out. It's not over, honey. This life is not all there is. Let me tell you when you want it to come out. Now. You want to get it dealt with now. Get it under the blood now so that it doesn't come out later. Not telling a lie is the best thing you can do. Telling the truth no matter what it costs you. But if you mess up, what's the next best thing? Immediately. Immediately. If you're used to lying, if you practiced it for years and have gotten good at it. Now you're laughing, but I've had preachers look me right in the eye and just lie to me. Preachers. A lot of it's going on. But if you have been, the moment you do it, if you'll be honest, your heart knows it, man. It'll bother your heart. It'll bother your heart. So what do you do? Let me tell you how to break yourself. If, you, if you're talking to somebody and they're still there, you just go back. You say, hey, uh, you know that thing I just told you? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that was a lie. Don't try to soft pedal it. Don't make excuses for it. Don't it? A lot of people have messed up a good apology with an excuse. I mean, I didn't mean to lie to you. I was just, shut up. Shut, you're messing up. You're messing up your repentance. What do you do? I lied to you. I'm sorry. And just wait. Or if you get away and you realize if you need to pick up the phone, call them. Don't wait. Somebody say, don't wait. Make it right. Get it straight. Don't wait. Call them up and say, uh, hey, uh, you know, we were talking about that such and such thing. Yeah, you know, I told you such and such. Go, yeah, yeah, that was a lie. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't make a bunch of excuses. That was a lie, and I'm sorry. I repent. 
Well, man, what will they think of me? Well, for one thing, they'll know that they themselves have done something like that and might not have had the courage to do what you just did. Now, if you're having to do it three times a day, they, they may get to wondering about you, that you're not even trying. Let's, let's practice it. Say it out loud. That thing I said, that was a lie. And I'm sorry. And then just wait. Just wait. And uh, next time, when you start to lie, it'll come to you. You're going to have to come back immediately and tell them. That you just think, I'm just not going to tell them to start with. I'm just... it'll, it'll help break you from it. I said it'll help break you from it. There is no truth more terrible than a lie. Now, go with me to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy in 6. Lies can't help but be inconsistent. But the truth doesn't change. Because it's the truth. Because it's true. It's right. So it is consistent. And that's part of the power should be the part of the power of our testimony. We should be so consistent. And if somebody doesn't, I mean, they hear us, they see us, they're around us, but they don't want to give their heart to the Lord. They don't want to uh, believe. They don't want to do what they know they should do. Still, they should see us be consistent year after year. Amen. Is that right? Decade after decade, and even if even if it's twenty years, even if it's forty years, if eventually they come back around, and they say, you know, you never changed. You keep saying the same thing. You keep telling the same way. I know it's real. I know it's true. Would you pray for me? How many? Even if it's forty years late, it's still powerful. Still powerful. But if you're inconsistent, they're not going to respect that. And if you're lying about other things, they're not going to respect that. And it'll call into question the other. The enemy's always trying to discredit the witness. Let's not give him anything to work with. That's right. Sit out loud, I'm a true witness. I am a true witness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm a reliable witness. I'm a reliable witness. My, word My word is evidence. Is evidence. My word is evidence. My word is something the Holy Spirit can confirm. He's the spirit of truth. And he bears witness to the truth. Not to a bunch of junk. But to the truth. As a preacher. My entire ministry. Hinges on this. Do you, do you understand this? I mean. This morning. My teaching and preaching to you. What's it completely dependent on? Do you believe it or not? I mean, if even part of it is seen and known to be a falsehood and a deception, it calls into question the whole thing, calls into question the church, the ministry, everything. Is it a giant deal? It's a big deal. Can you trust what I say? Can I trust what you say? Can we trust what he says? That's why of the very few things that ever said it was impossible for God to do. It is impossible for God to lie. Because if he ever told one, 
I said, if he ever told one, it would call all this into question, wouldn't it? And how could we be absolutely sure? But you can be sure that when he tells you something, it is forever settled in heaven. Heaven and earth will pass away, but it won't pass away. Because what he, thy word is truth, Jesus said. And you shall know the truth. And what will it do for you? It's powerful. It's powerful. It will make you free. Somebody say, I love the truth. I am a witness of the truth. In 1 Timothy, did you turn there? 1 Timothy 6, I believe I said. And verse 12. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you are also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Did you notice fighting a good fight has to do with your witness? Verse 13, I give you charge in the sight of God. Who quickens all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. He's referring to Jesus' testimony in front of Pilate. Is it a a powerful moment? A moment to be remembered? A moment to be honored? Is it an example for me and you? Listen to other translations. The complete Jewish Bible, the CJB complete Jewish Bible says it like this in verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you're called when you testified so well to your faith before many witnesses. I charge you before God who gives life to all things and before Messiah, Yeshua, who in his witness to Pontius Pilate gave the same good testimony. The Living Bible says Christ Jesus gave a fearless testimony before Pontius Pilate. Somebody say fearless testimony. You want to be like your master when you grow up? Go with me to uh, John. And let's look at this. Let's look at the witness that Jesus gave and see the example that it is to us. In John 18 and 33, don't let this just be history to you. Let let the Holy Spirit put you in this place. Uh, Stand here at the side of the judgment hall and watch what happened and listen to what happened. Let the Holy Spirit put you there this morning. John 18.33, Pilate entered into the judgment hall again. Remember the chief priest and the leaders of the Jews have presented him to him because they don't have the authority to execute anybody under Roman rule. And they want Jesus dead. They want him gone. And so they're trying to get Pilate to pass a sentence To have him executed. So Pilate entered into the judgment hall. And he called Jesus. He said are you the king of the Jews? Now. 
could you, would you be able to sense a, a seriousness in this place? The thing he says in the next few moments, and this happens all the time here, determines who lives and who dies. And how they live and how they die. And so he said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, is that hearsay? Yeah, I know that's my paraphrase. But did you say this thing of yourself? Or did others tell it you of me? Is Jesus afraid? He's not afraid. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. But of power, love, and a sound mind. He said, uh, back it up again, verse 34. Did you, are you saying this of yourself? Or did others tell you this about me? How many think Pilate is now surprised? He's thinking, what? Huh? Verse 35. Pilate said, am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? What are you guilty of? What have you done? Verse 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. My followers would be breaking down these doors right now. I'm not here to set up an earthly kingdom right now. I'm not here to take over you in Rome. My kingdom's not of this world. My servants would fight if it was that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Verse 37. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Now, friends, what did Timothy say about this? He said to Timothy, You bore a good testimony in front of a lot of witnesses. Just like Jesus when he stood in front of Pilate. And he gave that testimony and that good confession. Friend, in every one of our lives, there will come a time when eyes are on us. I said there will come a time when we're in a situation, what do we say? What do we say? Are you one of them? They said you go to that wild Faith Life Church over there. (laughs) Lakewood Ranch. And people talk in tongues. They believe in miracles. And there's that prosperity bunch too. Are you one of them? You're not one of them, are you? You're not one of them, are you? Some of you are looking like, I don't know if I am. Hey, somebody might have seen you come in here already. So you might as well get the benefits. Come on in, the water's fine. Come on, I'm telling you. It's the way to live. It's real Christian life. He said, are you a king then? Jesus said, you say I'm a king. See, what he did, he challenged him first off about true witnesses. Did somebody tell you this? You just believe in what they're telling you? You just taking hearsay? Because how many remember they were putting up false witnesses. Do you remember that? 
They're putting up false witnesses. People were purposely coming up in line saying, yeah, I heard him say this, talking about Jesus. Yeah, he said he's going to do this. Yeah, I heard him say this. And the Bible said neither did their witnesses agree. Why? Because lies can't agree. They can't by nature of what they are. They're inconsistent. And so Jesus is helping him to see, are you just going to take somebody else's word for this? Are you just going to accept hearsay as evidence? And he said, to this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Are you a Christian? Are you one like the Christ? Then do you also bear witness to the truth? Will you tell it in front of anybody? Will you not be afraid and not be timid and not shake? Will you not be intimidated by pride? Well, what will they think of me at the workplace? What will they think? There will come a time, my friend. I said there will come a time. You, me, everybody. You will be in a place and you will not be amongst us with good organ music and amen and preaching. You will be the only one there that believes this way. And everybody else will be looking daggers through you. And other people will be thinking, do not bring that Christian stuff up now. We're trying to do business. We're trying to do this. Do not. And I'm not talking about you trying to preach when you shouldn't and you're not even called to preach. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not talking about trying to force something down somebody's throat and they don't want to hear it. But I am talking about that you are not ashamed. And when it comes down to it and somebody puts you on the spot and the spotlight hits you and they put the microphone in your mouth, you do not hesitate. You do not balk. You say, I am a Christian and I am not ashamed of it. Yes, he saved me. Yes, I was there at the altar. Yes, he filled me with the Spirit. Come on, are you listening? Yes, he has healed me many times. Yes, I believe in miracles, and yes, he'll pay your bills, and yes, he'll meet your needs. He'll give you the desires of your heart. He's a good, good God. You're one of them. No, I'm one of the ringleaders of them. Phyllis, years ago, worked in offices, and... uh, she was working with, I believe it was a claims adjuster, is that what, an insurance adjuster, on the phone. And they were having to wait on the phone for something. And this guy, for some reason, starts telling Phyllis about this date he just went on. <laughs> They're just, they don't even know each other. And he tells him about this weirdo. He, he said she went to some strange church. <laughs> what all did they do? They talked in Holy Ghost stuff, and they talked in tongues, and every other kind of thing, and how weird she was, and how weird all this stuff, and, and of course, Phyllis got quiet, you know, and what, what after some conversation, what did he say? He didn't believe in all that He didn't believe. He didn't believe. He said, he said, I may be even the Antichrist, you know, I don't know. He, he didn't even know what he's talking about. He just, uh, and then finally... What did he say about you? Because you got quiet. Something about where you want. Yeah. And then Phyllis says, oh, yeah. She, uh, she was one of the main ones, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. And so eventually she said, well, uh, 
something about, he was trying to just be hard and everything. And Well, you, other people have tried to pray for me. No need in you praying for me. And I guess you want to pray for me. And she said, well, no, if you're the Antichrist, what good would it do to pray? Pray for the Antichrist. And before the conversation was over, he said, well, now you're going to pray for me, aren't you? He was asking her to pray. No, please, he said, pray for me. Will there come a time when you need to speak up and you don't need to be ashamed? And it's not about trying to tell people what you believe. It's being willing to testify what you know. What you've experienced. Did Jesus stand strong here this day? In front of Pilate. He went on to say. To this end was I born. For this cause came I into the world. That I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth. Hears my voice. Pilate said. What is truth? Which shows how much darkness he was in. And when he said this. He went out and to the Jews. And said I find no fault in him. Do you think when he is looking at Jesus' eyes and he's hearing the tone of his voice, can he tell Jesus is telling the truth? And man, it's working on him. So that when he gets out of there, he's trying to get Jesus off. Isn't he? He's thinking this guy's nothing wrong with him. Skip down to the 19th chapter. Pilate's wife, you remember, came to him and told him she'd had a dream and told him to have nothing to do. With that just man. And then they told told him. You know he heard about Jesus being a king. And he heard about resurrection. And those things. And man it alarmed him. Verse 8. When Pilate heard that saying. He was the more afraid. Now who's afraid? You would think Jesus would be the one afraid. He's the one about to be executed. But no. Pilate's afraid. And he went again into the judgment hall. And he said to Jesus. Whence art thou? Where'd you come from? And this is when Jesus didn't even answer him. He just looked at him. (laughs) And Pilate said, Speakest thou not to me? He's used to being in command. Do you not know I have power to crucify you and I have power to release you? Your life is in my hands. Jesus said, You could have no power at all against me, except it were given you from above. You're a little cog in a great big machine. (laughs) And there's a lot more going on here than you have any idea. And you're really not in control of anything today. How many remember Jesus had already said, I have received commandment of my Father. I have power to lay my life down. And I have power to take it up again. They did not take him against his will. When they came to get him. Do you remember what he said? Who are you looking for? And they said Jesus of Nazareth. He said I am. And they all fell on the ground. He had to wait for them to get up. To get him. He let them take him. If he hadn't, you and I'd be lost. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, for letting them take you. Laying your life down. 
He said, you could have no power at all against me, except it was given you from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto you has the greater sin. Verse 12, and from thenceforth, Pilate sought to release him. (laughs) He's doing his best to get him out, get him out. And the Jews cried out and said, if you let this man go, you're not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. And here we see exactly what we're talking about. What did he do? He folded like a $2 bill. Is that right? He compromised his conscience. Why? Afraid of what somebody might think. Afraid of what somebody might tell Caesar. Afraid word might get back to him. How many times do people not stand up for the truth? Because they're afraid of what people might say or might think. Might cost me a contract. It might cost me a sale. It might cost me a job. It might cost me a friend. Well, if telling the truth costs you that friend, that's not a very good friend. You need some different friends. There will come a time when people will be waiting to see what comes out of your mouth. Is that right? And it won't be comfortable. And you realize when I say what I need to say, things may be different afterwards. And you don't have to be haughty and you don't have to be arrogant and you don't have to try to preach somebody a a, a Bible message or lesson or sermon and you don't have to try to explain what Faith Life Church believes or Christian doctrine. All you got to do. Don't you like the testimony of the blind man? Remember his testimony when they came back and they said, you better tell us the truth. What happened on this? This man, he's a sinner. He breaks the Sabbath. What'd he say? I don't know about all that. I don't know about all that. But what's he say? Is this going to cost him when he says it? Oh, read John sometime and realize. And so then the elders and leaders Head people in the community called his parents and him and other people. And the Bible said his parents would not testify because they were afraid of being excommunicated, kicked out of the church. So what they said is, well, he's a grown man. He, he talks for himself. <laughs> he, he, he'll answer for his, in other words, and his, the repercussions of what he says goes to him, not us. Somebody say cowards. So now they got the man in front and they said, what happened? He said, man came, put mud and spit in my eyes, told me to go wash it out. I did and I came see it. And so they rambled and they tried to take it apart and they said, now tell us what happened. He said, I already told you what happened. Why don't you want me to tell you again? You want to be his disciples too? Oh, that made him mad, man. That made him mad. He said, you're his disciple. We're Moses' disciple. We're this and this. And he said, well, now, isn't that strange? Nobody ever heard of somebody opening the eyes of the blind. And yet this guy is, and you don't even know where he come from. In other words, you're supposed to be these great spiritual authorities. And they said, tell us what he happened. He said, I already told you. Well, this man's a sinner. He said, well, I don't know if he's a sinner, who he is, what he is. I know this. I was blind. But now I can see.
And there must have been power on his witness. There must have been power on his testimony because it made them so mad they could spit. And they said, you, you, you don't know anything. You don't know the law. You were born in sins. And they kicked him out of the church. I mean, they took his name off the book. He can't come back. Because he told the truth. Because he told the truth. If people don't want you in their club for telling the truth, that's a club you don't need to be a part of. Is that right? It's a club you don't need to be a part of. So he's out walking around, seeing, seeing, seeing perfectly, 2020 vision. And Jesus comes up and begins to talk to him. And of course, I don't guess he's ever seen him before. The last time he had contact with him, he couldn't see. And so uh, Jesus comforts him and consoles him. Hallelujah. And I don't think he cared at all that they took his name off the road. He's out here having a conversation with the king of kings. And he can see. And what they ever do for him anyway. Did his testimony cost him at the local synagogue? It did, but he didn't care. And the next thing you know, Jesus is visiting him and talking to him about it. He probably said, well, you know, they kicked me out too. (laughs) In fact, last time I was in town, they tried to kill me, tried to throw me off that hill over there. (laughs) So me and you, good company here, buddy. We're, We're okay. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Stand on your feet. I've gone long enough. Thanks be to God. You shall receive power. Oh, somebody say power. You shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit's come upon you, Jesus said, and you shall be witnesses. Witnesses. Unto me. You will testify to me. Jesus said. And we're going to look at this later. He said in Luke. He said. I will give you a mouth. And wisdom. That all your adversaries. None of them. Can gainsay. Nor resist. Is that power? That's power. Power. And many. Hearing. This anointed witness. And testimony. Will become convinced. And will be persuaded. And whether on the spot there or later will give their life to Jesus. And they'll say, that's real. That's real. I know that's real. And they also will become a believer. And then we'll have another witness. (laughs) Close your eyes and lift up your hands if you would. Say out loud, Father God. I believe in you. I believe in your son Jesus. That he died on the cross. He paid the full price. For all my sins. I believe. You have raised him from the dead. He's alive right now. King of kings. Lord of lords. Soon to come again. Jesus. You are my Lord. My Savior. And I am not ashamed. And I'm not afraid to testify and bear witness to the truth 
the truth of who you are. Who you are to me. What you've done for me. I will never be ashamed of it. I will not be afraid to tell it. And I thank you that you are with me always to the end of the world. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.